Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Sangi Vatsa, the Executive Vice President and Chief Technology and Digital Officer of FIS, the financial services company that offers payments and merchant services, banking, and capital markets offerings, earning roughly $13 billion in annual revenue. Sangi's held that role for roughly a year. He's an executive with deep financial services experience, having been the Global Chief Information Officer of Comerica for roughly four years prior to his current role, and was a Business Unit Chief Information Officer multiple times over at American Express prior to that. I look forward to learning more about his transformational journey, sources of innovation using digital technology, and his view of the future of tech at FIS, marshalling the efforts of a team of roughly 11,000 colleagues in his organization. Sangi Vatsa, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Hi, Peter. Uh, great to see you again. And uh, thanks for the opportunity for me to uh, share my thoughts with your audience. Uh, it's, a, it's a great pleasure. I appreciate you doing so. In today's unpredictable environment, long-term success rarely comes by chance. Thriving organizations are able to rapidly respond to whatever comes their way, be secure in the face of ever-evolving threats, and identify opportunities for ongoing innovation. How do CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs like you power these outcomes? It starts with a strong data foundation. That's why over 90% of Fortune 100 companies use Splunk. Splunk's extensible data platform powers full-stack observability, unified security, and nearly limitless custom applications. The result? They unlock innovation, improve security, and drive resilience. Tune into Technovation episode 630 with Splunk's president of products and technology, Sean Bice, in which he talks about what it takes to unlock innovation in this unpredictable world. And to find out more about Splunk, visit splunk.com slash why. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Cisco, and the company's chief information officer, Jackie Gushalar. As we enter a time of hybrid work environments, Jackie wanted to take a moment to share how companies can stay ahead of this emerging trend and make informed decisions on the future of work. Jackie, over to you. Hi, this is Jackie Gushalar, SVP and CIO of Cisco. Today, we're at a unique time in history with the ability to redefine work. Work is no longer where you go. It's what you do and how you do it and it is powered by the convergence of people, technology, and places. It's permanently reshaping expectations of both employees and employers alike. To navigate this changing landscape, Cisco's Hybrid Work Index can help you make informed decisions by providing global insights on people's preferences, habits, and technology use in the era of hybrid work. It's based on millions of global data points and insights to help you win the war for talent, accelerate your innovation, and enhance business safety and security. Search Cisco Hybrid Work Index to learn more. Thanks, Jackie. And now on to our broadcast. Well, why don't we begin with FIS? Um, for those who may be listening who are less familiar with FIS, could you provide a bit of a, a thumbnail sketch as to the business that you're in? Yes, absolutely. And uh... And FIS uh, is, a, is a global financial services uh, technology company, and it offers uh, solutions in primarily three areas. Uh, it's payments and merchants, uh, business uh, in banking, and in uh, capital markets. And annually, uh, the company facilitates over $9 trillion uh, worldwide and uh, services uh, 90% of the top 50 global banks. And if I look at in the retirement space, uh, uh, FIS services uh, over three trillion uh, uh, in assets. And so, as a company uh, focused a lot around uh, raising the 
experience uh, of our clients and of, and of our customers. And uh, you know, it's a great way to see what all uh, is going on uh, as part of the changes at the company. And uh, in my role, you know, I'm as you said, is the I'm the global uh, uh, chief technology and digital officer of FIS. I've been with the company a little over a year. Uh, I uh, also have the responsibility for the business operations. Uh, uh, it's about 11,000 person team uh, across uh, North America, Europe, and in Asia. And, uh, and it's a really exciting time for us to be part of some of these major transformations uh, that we are uh, uh, undertaking. And I'm glad to be leading that with my peers to really create the benefits for our clients and for our colleagues. That's wonderful. I'd love to dive into some of the details you've just described. Uh, to talk talk a bit about the transformation that you are leading within FIS. I mean, it is, as you point out, uh, fundamentally an information-based business. And so conducive, certainly, to innovation centered around uh, technology and digital capabilities of various kinds. Uh, but I'm curious, especially in the year plus that you've been in role, uh, what, has, what are some of the areas that you and your team have focused on in terms of innovating around those topics? Yeah, and Peter, if I if I even look at broadly speaking, I mean the digital change was already well underway across industries uh, prior to the pandemic, and as I see uh, during this time, the momentum has just picked up. Uh, and if I think about uh, a recent study where uh, it basically summarized that uh, almost eighty percent of the boards are asking their CEOs to accelerate their digital uh, journeys, and if I can just maybe demystify a digital journey. Uh, term can be quite, uh, you know, sometimes be overused. Uh, but if I just simplify it, uh, you know, think about uh, uh, banks where the uh, the prospects uh, uh, can take sometimes, you know, three to five days to get their accounts open. And uh, and if you can think about uh, a, a way forward where you can bring this uh, change, where from a standpoint of uh, opening and uh, to kind of filling up an application, opening up an account, uh, even depositing money into your account and being able to transact all under 10 minutes from your mobile device. I, I think those are the kind of experiences we are talking about. They remove the friction, they create the opportunities for businesses to grow. Uh, it makes the growth very predictable. And uh, by the way, we offer some of those services ourselves and some of those capabilities. And, uh, and it's not only for the 90% of the top 50 banks, as I mentioned earlier, but the top 500 fortune companies uh, Across industries, uh, you know, are, are uh, working very closely with FIS, and FIS uh, has been called out by our clients as the destination for innovation. Uh, and so, I think that's one thing that we take a lot of uh, pride in. We take it with full humility as well. Uh, if I if I look at from the 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 journey that we've been on, uh, if I just look at uh, 2020, right, not even going back too far out, but in 2020, we invested a billion dollars into our product development and into our innovation to create these capabilities uh, for our clients and as we kind of uh, create these uh, products and services. And we launched FIS Ventures, uh, which is another $150 million uh, over three years, where we are actually investing in uh, the startups that are seen as uh, really leading companies and that actually help our clients to accelerate their own transformation journeys. And that's been actually put in put in place with a lot of focus on really enriching the client's uh, growth uh, itself. And then, if I look at in 2021, we have embarked on 
two major modernization programs, uh, very transformational in nature. Uh, and collectively, those are another billion dollars over last uh, over the course of next three years. And I can I'll, I'll probably can uh, step through some of these uh, programs and you know, what they are. But these numbers are just not for the sake of you know, sharing numbers, but these are basically huge investments we're making. A lot of focus on how do you create a winning capability where our clients can win uh, and we can be there to really see their uh, uh, you know, growth happen. Uh, and, uh, and as a result, be kind of you know, successful on the journey with them, obviously enabling our communities, enabling our, our colleagues you know, goes, uh, goes along with that. Well, just as you suggested, I'd love to hear more about uh, those very program programs, the billion dollars being spent in the next uh, three years on modernization programs, as you noted. Uh, talk, talk a bit about some of what you anticipate the, those funds and the efforts of your team going towards, please. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would say uh, I'll, I'll start with these. Maybe I'll take example of the of the four things that are going to be very pertinent to that change that I see happening. You know, one of the programs is... Uh, what uh, is all around technology transformation or digital transformation is how do we as FIS become faster, innovative, and simplified, uh, basically in our overall capabilities. And obviously while staying secure and compliant, very, very important for us, uh, but with the goal of really elevating our client and our colleague experiences. And so if you look at that whole program uh, with a, a significant size of investment we are making in that, uh, it's uh, uh, kind of, you know, speed of delivery of a capability, right? How do you get to five to 10X of how at the pace at which we deliver capabilities? It's really taking our platforms and really getting them modernized. Uh, there's a significant pivot happening uh, where in regards to how we deliver capabilities to our clients, and instead of selling platforms and products, and I can maybe talk about that a little bit later as well, uh, is to really create those experiences that matter to our uh, users. So there's a big, kind of focus happening part of that uh, transformation program. The other program is all about how do we reimagine, redesign, modernize our processes across our ecosystem. So whether these are back office processes, these are uh, customer service processes, whether these are things in our client implementations, again, how do we remove the friction from the process from end-to-end -end perspective? You know, all sorts of technologies I can talk about that you're bringing to bear. Uh, there's a whole toolbox of technologies. Uh, but it's all about you know where where AI ML fits well. You know where do other capabilities like uh, your agent assist fit well? Uh, where do RPS fit well? And so that's the second kind of a large program. The third one uh, is uh, really centered around advanced analytics. Uh, how do we really create these analytical capabilities that are very very clearly monetizable? Uh, you know there are capabilities we built inside the company that we are running our operations in a lot more effective way. When we talk to our clients, their willingness to pay for those services is very, very high. So we have that whole practice focused on really bringing the advancement into analytics uh, to bear and to kind of make it happen as part of the overall uh, uh, you know, offering. And then the, the fourth one I would call out is uh, the transformation that we are uh, uh, driving in the space of contact centers and, and business operations. And uh, that's again, an area where uh, customer service goes a long way, whether you know, it's you're you're proactively uh, looking to get some service, or you're looking uh, to get a service during some tough times. Is how do you really create that frictionless experience? And so there's a significant investment we have going on. So if I look at the first one, very much focused on how do you start to elevate revenue? How do you start to uh, elevate the net income? 
the second one around process optimization, very much around how do you really improve your operating margins. Uh, the third one, when you look at, is very much again elevating your revenue uh, play, right? And obviously helping grow the revenue of our, of our clients. And then the fourth one is all about getting to a world class customer service. All of these kind of outcomes really matter to our clients. They matter to our board. They matter matter to our leadership team. And so it's really helping the team connect the dots. What they do day in day out really matters to people who are the key stakeholders. That's a fantastic overview. And I really like this idea of the five to 10 times faster in terms of speed of delivery of capabilities. Uh, and it strikes me, as you note, that part of that is a modernization aspect. So taking, I mean, yours is a company that that predates the digital age. And so like, like any large complex organization, no doubt there's there, there, there is a degree to which you need to upgrade some of the capabilities to, to further reflect where technology is going as opposed to where it has been. Uh, and then it also strikes me, as you noted in a couple different areas, whether it's you know new investments that you are making, uh, either investments you know in terms of capabilities for the organization, but even also, as you mentioned, mentioned the FIS Ventures, investments into startups and the capabilities that they may bring to to, to provide access to to an organization like yours, that those are part of the elements as well. So both kind of from a a hygiene modernization aspect, getting that right, while also making sure that you're you are in touch with the art of the possible by innovating inside and outside the organization as well. Is that a fair way to kind of typify some of the important levers to pull in order to achieve that that very ambitious five to ten x uh, speed of delivery improvement? Yeah, and I, I I think that's a great way of summarizing it. And it's it's got both the aspects of it is that it's the outside in and inside out kind of a view aspect that you bring it all together. Uh, but the the ecosystem is so broad. When I look at innovation, innovation is happening in all places, and uh, and leadership is where you can find it. It's not in like titles and bands. And so when when we look at this uh, ecosystem of innovation, and and we have a uh, we have a capability in the company. We call it Innovate in Forty Eight, and it's been our are uh, really uh, a significant platform that we use where innovation happens 365 days in a 65 days in a year and we've created uh, these uh, uh, capabilities like innovative 48 for colleagues innovative 48 for students uh, we have a client edition coming next year and we we did the student edition this year uh, the focus was on uh, financial inclusion and that topic resonated so strongly across universities now, we thought we'll start with a pilot this year and we'll grow it next year. And before we knew, we had 20 universities uh, that participated uh, and uh, we came in with some awesome ideas. And, and the, you know, the, the way we designed it, the IP goes back to the communities. Uh, our, our goal is to really bring that to the, to the forefront. But in that example, you had some awesome uh, capabilities from the startups that were put to, uh, put to play. There were things that people built during that whole weekend of, uh, of, uh, of engagement. And then FIS obviously brought a lot of uh, help to that whole uh, execution. Uh, and so to me, yes, absolutely, it's the balancing between all the aspects uh, of that ecosystem. Yeah, that's really, I, I like the way in which you frame that, that it's an ecosystem play. Um, I'm wondering also, you talked about how a lot of this innovation predates the pandemic. No doubt the pandemic itself, uh, as with so many organizations, has accelerated uh, some of what you're describing also, in addition to perhaps accelerating the adoption of uh, digital means of collaborating uh, amongst mm -hmm. customers and employees, for that matter, partially out of necessity and partially out of a broader reset in, in how we live our lives and how we do business uh, brought on by 
by you know greater degrees of virtual work, uh, uh, virtual collaboration, uh, just so much more that we're doing digitally, um, individually, and, and as part of our companies as well. I wonder if you could take a moment as somebody who is doing so much clearly, uh, as you've uh, demonstrated through multiple responses to questions, uh, both in terms of impacting customer as well as employee experience. Talk mm-hmm. a bit about the some of the insights, uh, especially through the pandemic, um, as to you know what, what customers and employees h- how they're evolving expectations, how how their expectations have in fact evolved. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, you know it's a, it's a it's a sad moment as well when you think about the the impacts of the pandemic, and we felt it uh, worldwide, uh, and it. Uh, uh, was something that I also feel brought people together. I think the kind of the proud moment for all of us is that how people stepped up uh, to help each other and to help the communities and to help companies and businesses and clients. And uh, and I see that uh, uh, with that whole uh, uh, change that happened, uh, people have become a lot more empathetic. Uh, leaders have become more more empathetic. They've become a lot more uh, understanding of, of scenarios. You know, I, I can look back and see that uh, you know, certain kind of meetings in the past, you could have never thought about doing that, those meetings virtually. Uh, and being able to even do board meetings virtually and people ignoring sometimes, you know, some some side noise or some background. At the end of the day, people are focusing on what matters more. Uh, and it's people getting those things done. Uh, so to me, I think there are certain aspects of, uh, of colleague experience that uh, as uh, companies invested in these capabilities, uh, we brought technologies like videos, and we brought other collaboration tools and companies adopted at 100% level, right? There was not a lot of uh, concern about, you know, would this work or not? People were willing to make it work. Uh, I think that mindset uh, made a huge difference there. Uh, and I think with that, it opened up so many options. Uh, so many things we would have taken a long time to, to, to basically test and try and then bring it on. Once we opened the floodgates to say, and all of these things are open, available for us to use, uh, people started started using it uh, and, and using those technologies. To me, the, the colleague experience has shifted significantly from that standpoint. I mean, if I just take up uh, my own example, I joined the company during the pandemic, and uh, to date, I have uh, you know not met over over seventy five percent of my own team and business partners I work with. Uh, but the uh, the the glass half full side of this, the blessing in disguise, is that. I've been able to meet with over two times more number of people uh, through videos than I would have been able to meet uh, in a traditional kind of a setup, right? So, so there are definitely benefits from that standpoint. We are able to really uh, click off a you know a mouse, and you're able to actually you know get to see somebody virtually, though you know it's, it's in a video setting, so a lot more effective. So I think those things have helped. Uh, companies have started to really uh, look at those opportunities of offering more and more flexibility. If I look at our workspace uh, model. Uh, over 80% of the people have signed up to be in a hybrid mode uh, to have the flexibility of working from office and from home. Uh, we have this model uh, where we have four different personas. So your uh, you know, hub, club, home, and Rome. And so, and, and I think the names are self-explanatory, but uh, depending on you know, where your uh, needs of your role, uh, role are, you are able to then you know, map yourself to one of those uh, four personas. So that's giving the level of flexibility as well. If I look at from a uh, from a client standpoint, uh, you know, not only how our uh, customer service uh, uh, professionals were able to step in into those virtual uh, settings and be able to really take care of the needs of our clients and 
offering self-service capabilities that got built, or as you said, you know, a lot of these investments were, were made in the past. Uh, I make a distinction there is that the companies that made the investment uh, without the pandemic were a lot better positioned, uh, as you would expect. And it kind of made the point is that you don't have to wait for an emergency to happen before taking an action. If you do things proactively, uh, and if I look back even uh, you know, where I was before I came to FIS, you know, a lot of proactive actions that were taken in the prior three to four years uh, came to fruition. Uh, when we were on those uh, pandemic uh, crisis management calls, uh, and you hear across the, uh, the, the call from various stakeholders that the tech people were being called as super uh, uh, superwoman or superman, that just made the point that you know, people felt the level of connection to the colleagues who were enabling technologies to help them out during those tough times. That's fantastic. I really appreciate that overview. At one point, forgive my ignorance, the one point of clarification, Hub, yeah. Club, Home, and Rome. Club is the one that I don't, I'm not sure that I fully get. What, what, what does that refer to? Yeah, right. So, so Club is more where you're, uh, you know, you, you are flexibly uh, setting up your schedule. You don't have a fixed uh, uh, office location. You are, you're going to a certain building, but you can actually reserve online and you have that flexibility and uh, of, of days and also the, the, the office. Got it. Understood. And I, I, I really love your and, and very much agree. I've been espousing something comparable to that. Those organizations, all things being equal, that did the more, more transformation prior to uh, the pandemic were, have been the ones that have been most resilient through it. Um, I like the way you frame that as well. And among those changes, certainly our broader adoption of cloud technology, an area that I know you're very passionate about as well. Talk a bit about your own sort of evolving view on the best uses of cloud technology and its application to some of the ideas that you've described. Yeah. You know, the, the cloud technology, to me, uh, I think that concept was so powerful, even when it initially uh, took shape. And it was, uh, in a way, also an existing kind of a thought process that people had. That, that I mean, so if you think about when the simplification happened inside companies and companies uh, uh, pursued and uh, embarked on these rationalization journeys you know, uh, several, several years ago, you know, they were running things in different uh, uh, isolated, uh, fragmented kind of zones. And they came back and said, I'm going to have a data center. All right. I always, I, I always try to go back to simple things that happened before that are actually now at a much larger scale. And some of the basics are still there is that, you know, people build data centers and they said, okay, we'll drive consolidation. Virtual, uh, virtualization was brought into play. A lot of virtualization vendors did very, very well. A lot of those technologies, technologies are still being used in different cloud provider uh, offerings. So that virtualization led to that concept of, I don't need to be having just my own, in my own space, right? And so now you start to uh, extend that outwards to say people were initially not going to cloud because of security. Uh, people were not going to cloud because the concerns about expense. Uh, uh, and I, as I saw the shift happen where companies started making, taking a position that we want to go to cloud for security. Uh, we want to actually go to cloud for speed. Uh, yes, cost is a good side effect benefit that, that we can take, uh, but just don't do it because of cost only, because uh, you can actually optimize cost in, in different ways. Now, for companies at a large scale like FIS, you know, we have uh, massive scale, uh, massive needs of our clients where we have our own uh, secure cloud. And for if you think of a community bank that wants to get the entire service from us, uh, we offer products and services and we also offer it on our own cloud. And they get the complete package from a, from a security perspective. But some of our clients are 
you know, they have their own cloud solutions uh, where they have embarked on a public cloud. So we offer our capabilities that are then certified for those public clouds as well. So, so cloud to me is definitely a, a way to keep going forward. It has already started to you know, give enough proof points in the industry. If I make it real with an example, uh, you know, where uh, even if I look back, and this goes back to uh, you know doing things well when you are early in that uh, journey versus kind of waiting where everybody has proven it out and it's all there, and then uh, and then you're benefiting but not as much as you could have benefited had you uh, taken that transformation early on. And I recall our uh, uh, in one of my prior roles, the strategy was white cloud. Uh, no cloud. Uh, and sometimes, you know, as a leader, you can simply bring one word to the strategy, change it, and say, why not cloud? And so my simple contribution was uh, uh, adding that word not after why. And uh, that actually led to some very, I would say, visible changes, some really great partnerships across the company. A lot of leaders who felt the value prop uh, partnered with their own use cases and to a, you know, highly tenured company with a great culture, uh, uh, but not actually as comfortable with some of those technologies to make the pivot in three months after the value prop was presented and the board getting behind it in a very, very short time frame, And to go from zero apps in the cloud to 100 apps in the cloud in under nine months. Uh, and this is going to a public cloud. And uh, almost one third of those applications were high profile, high risk applications. And so that's to me is once you embark on those journeys and people can see that change, then thereafter the momentum builds up, and then you can go from 100 to 200 uh, in, a, in a much shorter time frame. That's a compelling example. I appreciate you sharing that, Sangi. And I, I you know, it, you've now been a, a leader, a C level leader for quite some time across multiple organizations. You also have worked with a great number of transformational leaders. Um, I, I wonder if you if you could um, offer some thoughts on what differentiates those leaders who are who are transformational in nature. Uh, you you call you call out that uh, it, it takes a little bit of, of courage and a, and a willingness to be ahead of the curve in some areas despite the risk that is that might be perceived that because the, in taking some of those risks you might might have remarkable advantages for having done so. but that takes some uh, you know some fortitude and some uh, some some vision as well as frankly a lot of credibility on the teams that you're leading. Uh, but talk a bit about some some of what you've seen as the transformational traits of leaders. You know, there, there are aspects I look at, uh, and, and a lot of these I have gained over the course of time. Uh, I mean, I've had my own challenges with some of these, and uh, and then every experience you go through, uh, you know, you learn, and then you add that to your own toolbox. So experiences absolutely matter, uh, and we should keep taking advantage of those experiences. But the, the three things I look at is one is a mindset uh, of a leader. Uh, the other aspect is, you know, how do you really lead through the tough times? Uh, and then the other aspect is, how do you really drive change? Uh, and there are pieces that I wouldn't take a lot of time, uh, but from a, from, a, from a mindset, there's a, uh, one of the components of the mindset is, are you really uh, being bold and courageous and taking advantages of the learnings? And you're setting your goals without fear, setting your kind of you know, targets without fear, but it has to be rooted in some clear pur purpose. Uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the, how do you lead through the tough times? Uh, it's very important that, uh, you know, being in active listening mode uh, and uh, you're taking different perspectives uh, and you are actually uh, being also very, very decisive. 
and and so when you're driving changes, you know, if you are you've taken perspectives, uh, you basically challenge teams to not settle for less and and be transformational, uh, and you're being decisive. I think that leads to some some really good outcomes there. Uh, the other piece I would say is that the the partnering for success has been one of the most critical aspects of it, right? You have to really understand who are the beneficiaries and have the beneficiaries get so internalized in that change that they present on your behalf. You don't have to be in meetings uh, and, and, and things can get approved without your being in, in, in those meetings. And so those partners who are Think, uh, are people that you're really partnering with to 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 drive kind of co-invasion, co-create, co-deliver that value. Uh, there there are, there are five uh, KYs I established over the course of time, and and those I, I I really try to put them to test every time I'm embarking on anything large uh, and 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 uh, you know from a massive scale perspective. It's it's uh, it's it's like know yourself. But that KYs uh, is very very critical. Know yourself is that we all have uh, strengths and we all have opportunities. And so I think that aspect of really uh, applying your strength, but really you know, basically surrounding yourself with people on your team and with your business partners and with the ecosystem of industry experts that you work with, uh, I mean, you're part of my ecosystem, right? And I feel very comfortable tapping into you from time to time to say, you know what, this area I can tap into Peter because Peter can help me uh, with, with this space. And so I think that know yourself and where you want to bring help, uh, you know, know your people. They are the ones who will make it happen. You know, technologies are great, but people will make, make changes happen. You know, knowing your, uh, you know, knowing your business is very, very critical, right? You understand how we make money, how we enable our clients to be successful. Uh, knowing your customers, uh, very critical, right? You know, they are the ones who are going to make your company successful or, or not as successful. And then very importantly, as uh, digital leaders, we ne need to know our technology. So know your technology. And uh, be willing to be a T-shaped leader who, if required, can go a mile deep uh, and if need be, go a mile wide. And so those are the aspects I see. If you kind of do the culmination of those uh, factors, uh, uh, they, I believe, uh, will continue to help people to drive these uh, kind of initiatives. A great overview. And indeed, I'm very grateful you're a member of my ecosystem as well, Sangi. Thank you for the nice words. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about trends, uh, especially in light of this uh, significant investment, $150 million in FIS Ventures. No doubt you, among other activities that you're involved in, uh, have reason to think about what the future of technology entails and areas that an organization like FIS might take advantage of as, as you look to the future. What are some of the things that are beginning to make their way onto your roadmap that represent some of those kind of trends of the future that you believe might be pulled forward for some value to an organization like yours? Yeah, you know, I, and technology-wise, a number of things that have uh, matured over the course of last, last few years. Uh, and if I look at uh, the areas... Uh, uh, I mean, you talked about cloud and we spent a little bit of time on cloud and cloud, if I look at from elastic cloud capability, how the work workloads can now be run across cloud providers. Uh, I think that whole aspect uh, is will continue to grow and continue to be very uh, fitting to various kind of needs we see coming from various industries. Uh, you know, 5G, I, I look at, if I look at the space of, uh, you know, like the, the blockchain, the machine learning space, uh, uh, I, Kind of see the early uh, success aspects coming from the quantum computing as well. A number of aspects being applied to cybersecurity. Uh, you know, there are certain, many other use cases pertaining to the, from the 
compute uh, perspective, but there are also some very pertinent uh, cybersecurity kind of benefits coming from quantum. Uh, the technologies, and if I look at even from a from a metaverse perspective, you now how the augmented reality is being brought in, even some of the simple collaboration tools coupled with augmented reality can bring those exp experiences. Uh, you know, we just ran our Innovate in 48, uh, our annual edition, and uh, the number of uh, uh, cases that were built, number of prototypes that were built in 48 hours. Uh, all touching capabilities like blockchain, what's happening in the, in the metaverse space. And so to me, it gives me a lot of excitement that these capabilities are being put to use with a real purpose in mind. Uh, and, and the purpose when I look at it is, is it really helping a client experience? Is it really helping colleague experience? I mean, I talked about uh, earlier, uh, the two large investments we are making, one in the tech transformation, one in the automation space that I talked about from, from a process modernization perspective. 85% of our investment in that whole process modernization is actually focused on elevating client experience. 100% of that uh, investment is enabling colleague experience. And so that's how we are starting to really put those uh, uh, focal points on these kind of investments. Is, is it really enabling experience? And if it's gonna enable experience, uh, it, it will be something significant. So to me, technologies will all matter. It's the multiplier effect of the technologies that will make it even more uh, transformational. So if you now think about putting a uh, blockchain technology, you know, along with machine learning and along with some of the crypto can create a really world-class rewards capability. And we got something like that, uh, that we are already starting to offer. And so single day settlements uh, uh, that you can enable through blockchain. Uh, these are now some very real things that are starting to happen, which I think a couple, couple years ago, we were talking about these. Uh, machine learning, I can think of uh, several examples of where these capabilities are now running in production and creating a level of excitement for our clients and for our colleagues. That's a, a great response. I really appreciate that. And that thread throughout our conversation of the importance of experience, both uh, customer as well as colleague being uh, sacred in terms of areas uh, areas to investigate, areas to continue to to innovate. Well, well Sangi Vatsa, thank you so much for uh, for sharing your perspectives uh, during a remarkable time in the world, certainly a remarkable time for FIS and and the, the fascinating stories that you've told in terms of the power of digital and technology uh, to, to create new kinds of experiences, as well as to become a, a, an important lever of speed, speed to market to benefit the organization more generally speaking among the various things that we covered here. Uh, thank you for a great conversation. Thank you, Peter, and uh, great to have the opportunity again to uh, speak with your audience. Uh, hopefully they find it helpful and also actionable. <laughs>